0: And I didn't know which job to take. And my mother said, take the one that you like more. You have to do what you love. The money will come later. If you love what you do, it's going to shine through and you will be successful. And then the money will come. It will come because people will come to you and you know, you'll know you either get promoted, you'll rise up. It will just all follow.
1: Welcome back or welcome to the Business and Board Shorts podcast, the only podcast dedicated to coastal entrepreneurs and business owners. I'm your host, C.T. Kelp. In this episode, I talk with Mo Wolf from Port Washington, New York. She's the owner of Evolution Pilates. Let's dive into this week's conversation. Hey, Mo, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, C.T. It's nice to be here. You were in publishing prior to owning your studio. Can you give the context around that?
0: Sure. So I was in um, magazine publishing for 15 years before I opened the Pilates studio. So this is um, a second career for me. Uh, It actually had a little bit to do with how I chose the studio's name. I was thinking what would be the next path in my story or the next chapter, and I didn't want to think about it that way. I was just thinking as human beings, we kind of evolve and change. And so... One door closed, another one opened, and I left that um, career. It was magazine publishing, but specifically marketing in magazine publishing. I did consumer marketing for all of the magazines at Time Incorporated. That was the last thing I was doing when I left. And I was a little bit at odds when I tried to figure out what I was going to do next. And the part of my job that I loved the most at uh, Time Inc., when I sat down and really thought about it, was the teaching. I loved teaching my staff how to do what they did. I mean, I enjoyed the marketing, but by the end of my career, I wasn't actually doing much of it myself anymore. I was teaching people how to do what they did. And so I tried to figure out how could I take um, my passion for teaching and something that was a hobby at the time, Pilates, and turn it into my next career. It's probably a little bit of... um, The corporate arrogance of um, having worked at a big place like Time Inc. um, that made me think, oh, I'll just open a studio. I think that's not the normal path for most people. Um, You usually go and you work for somebody else and you learn to teach and then you open a studio. But um, I think having been in corporate America, that actually was never even a thought to me. It was kind of like, this is what you do, because I was used to launching magazines and big products. So it's like you have an idea and you take it to market and you launch it. So I had this idea, I took it to market and I launched it. And over the years, I kind of thought at times that that was not the best way to approach it, but in for a dime, in for a
1: dollar. (laughs) How long did you have the idea that you wanted to, I mean, was it something that you knew for a long time you wanted to open your own studio or just how how was, what was the evolution of that?
0: It really wasn't that long. I think I maybe took less than a year um, between when I stopped working at Time Inc and thought about what my next steps would be. And I had, Two or three business ideas that were mulling around in my head. I think I definitely am an entrepreneurial person. It's in my blood. I come from a line of entrepreneurial um, people. My grandfather had his own business. My father and my mother had their own businesses. And so it's uh, it's not something that's scary to me to work for yourself. Um, And during a little hiatus, uh, when I lived in California for two years, I had my own consulting business for magazine publishing. So this idea of what if you fail, what if it doesn't work? It's like, say you fail, you pick yourself up and you go do something else or you go back and you work for somebody else. So that wasn't really a factor in my um, planning. So it was like, that's what you would do. So uh, it was less than a year. Um, I took a few months to figure out what I was going to do and then a little time to find the space and build it out and buy the equipment and do the steps that uh, are required uh, to to do it. So from the idea to when we actually opened it all took less than a year. And the other ideas that I had been considering were um, uh, flipping houses was one of them. And the other thing was a business actually, Organizing, organizing. Well, that's another thing I'm kind of obsessed with. And the idea was um, to help people who found themselves like suddenly single, whether it was that they were recently divorced or recently widowed, and they were not used to doing anything for themselves, and sort of consult them and help them navigate that journey. And I, I, the idea started as maybe it's a newsletter or magazine, and or maybe a one-on-one type business, but I ended up doing this instead. I maybe have another business in
1: me somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, no, I like that. That's a really good one. How did you select Port Washington, New York, or how long have you lived there?
0: I grew up in Queens, which is not far from here. It's, uh, you know, maybe uh, seven or eight miles. um, And Port Washington is like just over the border for Nassau County. And I always liked it because it's on the water and I have a thing for water. Uh, Initially when I opened the studio, magazine publishing is big on taglines and um, the studio's tagline initially was Evolution Pilates Water's Edge Studio. And my first studio was right around a turn where you had this beautiful view of the water. And over the years, we moved a few times. I actually think you helped me with this when we did our website, we put a little story about the evolution of the studio in our different homes. And we took the Waters Edge studio off and our tagline changed to feel the difference, which was just something we started saying a lot and it kind of de facto became our tagline. But um, I just loved Port Washington for these sweeping views of the water. You can kind of see across to Connecticut at different um, parts or Westchester. And um, if you go further around towards Blancove, you can see Connecticut. And I love it. There's something very calming on my ride to work from my house. It's just I see the water. So I love that this podcast is uh board shorts, you know, because it's uh, it's business and board shorts and that's what could be better than that. To do something you love every day, by the water in a casual environment. There's something I think that um, spurns a lot of creativity when you're in that kind of environment and I love it. So that's why I chose Port Washington. Studio has been there for 18 years now and I've been in Port Washington myself on and off for about 30 years now, I want to say.
1: What would you say the vibe is like in Port Washington?
0: Port Washington is it's a it's a fairly big town. It's definitely a town. It's a suburban town. It, it's got access to Manhattan. It's a 30-minute train ride to Manhattan. So you get a lot of people who work in the city but it has a real sense of community. So people like to be very heavily invested in the community, but the main street of Port Washington has a lot of local merchants. Like you don't see the gap and and stores like that. It's not a strip mall kind of feeling. It's local mom and pop shops. And most of the people who have their shops in town are locals. Uh, And so uh, you, you get this real sense of community, you know, when the high school has its fundraiser, it's all the local merchants donating their time or their services to these events. And people know each other, they know each other's business, they know what's going on when somebody's sick, everybody pitches in to help and take care of them. So it's got that kind of real community feeling. It's, a, it's an extremely wealthy community, but also there are parts of the community that are not very wealthy. So there's a, a big gap and the community really kind of tries to take care of its own. So where you've got in some areas, multimillion dollar houses, there's also a food pantry because there are some people where when the schools were closed, the kids were going without their two meals a day that they were getting provided by the schools and the community is very aware of that. So, um, it's, it's nice to be part of that and be one of the voices in the community that makes sure because my clientele falls into that wealthier echelon. So to be one of the voices that's kind of always reminding people to take care of those, that are not in the situation to be able to afford the $105 private Pilates session or the $45 Pilates class. And they are incredible about giving back. So it's it's a nice position that I find
1: myself in. There's two things that I love, catching raise and catching new business. But getting tan is a lot easier than getting your business found online. If you're struggling to get new customers from your website, let my decade of experience work for you. Surf on over to callmect.com and fill out a quick form. I'll be sure to answer as soon as I get back from the beach. What would you say when you think back to, let's say, the first five years that you owned your studio to like the last five, what would you say are some of the differences that you've seen or felt?
0: So being around for as long as I have, I was definitely at the start of this um, boutique fitness craze and I have felt competition. That is what I have felt incredibly in the last five years. And I find it personally offensive. I feel like stay in your lane. I was here first, you know, you're infringing on my territory. And Orange Theory opened up, you know, not far from where we are. And um, I'm not a franchise. A club Pilates opened up, you know, not far away. And um, on one hand, I, it bothers me um, because, people like to try the new shiny toy. Um, On the other hand, I find it gratifying when my people leave to try something new and then they come back because they've tried something new and they see that it, it either wasn't what they thought it would be, or it's maybe not as personalized as what we offer or they're, they're, when something is a franchise, a franchise can do something incredibly well. And I don't mean any disrespect to franchises because um, some of them are brilliant. You know, there's a reason Club Pilates is, is the fastest growing franchise in this country, you know, um, but they don't know everybody's backstory the way that we do. They don't know the names of all of the kids the way that we do. They, they can't, you know, um, and we don't try to compete with them so much as differentiate ourselves and our service from them. So what I've learned in this time is to not worry so much about what anybody else is doing, but to focus on being the best at what we do and knowing our message and how what we do is different and what sets us apart. So we are first and foremost, a classical Pilates studio that focuses on Pilates as a system. So a lot of these places that have opened up are, you know, just reformers and that's it. You know, these big group classes of reformers that can get 12 people in and that's their model. But we are the whole system of Pilates. We have privates, we have semi-privates, we have group classes, but you'll be on the reformer, you'll be on the chair, you'll be on the tower and we work the breadth of the system the way that Mr. Pilates himself intended it. And that may or may not be for everybody. And that's fine. We don't aim to be everything to everyone. We want to be what we are to the people who are looking for what we do. And when I stopped trying to be everything to everyone, it, it's like the right people found us and business went where it needed to be. So we've had consistent year over year growth pretty much every year until COVID happened.
1: (laughs) And what would you say to somebody that doesn't know anything about Pilates that's coming in fresh to you? How do you explain what it is?
0: Pilates is resistance training. I mean, that is what Pilates is. It's spring-based resistance training. It is stretch, strength, and control. It's a brilliant method of resistance training. And um, the best way to experience it is to do it. We think classical Pilates is the best way to experience it. The way, you know, it's named after its creator, Joe Pilates. So we believe the best way to do it is within his system, On the apparatus that he invented and as close to the way he wanted it performed as possible. But I respect all brands of Pilates. You know, I'm not one of these people who bashes the contemporary Pilates practitioners. I feel like. There is a place um, for everything, and I'm I'm part of a lot of forums and friends with people who teach all different styles. I just happen it's it's like yoga, you know. There's ashanga there's Bikram, there, you know, there's Iyengar, there's all these different flavors, and you find the one that works best for you. Um, but I really feel like you can talk about things, but the best way to understand it is to feel it in your own body. So, um, and what I would also say is Pilates is intended to be a vigorous workout and where people have a misperception is in this thought that it's a woman's workout. Pilates is a workout that was conceived by a man for men. Initially, Mr. Pilates was training boxers and wrestlers and circus performers. And, um, So it may have ultimately been adopted by a lot of ballet dancers to like rehab them and help them with their jump ability and requirements for strength, but it was intended to be a vigorous workout and to help people um, go about everything they needed to do in their daily life. And so this notion that it's this, you know, maybe more female centric or easy workout I, it, it makes my head want to explode when people think that that's what Pilates is like. And if that's what they're experiencing with Pilates, I would say, come try Pilates with us because you will feel the difference. And that's how that became our (laughs) tagline.
1: What do you enjoy best? And you can take this from the just general entrepreneurship angle or from Pilates studio owner specific. What's your favorite thing about, owning your own studio or being your own boss?
0: I really like uh, the freedom that it affords. It's also a little bit, the thing I hate the most about it um, is that it can be um, very constricting. So, you know, I, prior to COVID, I had eight or nine instructors and then COVID happened. And now I'm down to uh, myself and three others. So I'm working harder right now than I did before. And I'm in desperate need of a vacation and I can't take one. That will pass. When that passes, I've got a dream job, right? I go into the studio at 6.30. I'm home most days by 11 or 12. And, you know, my life is what I want it to be. I can delegate the hours to anybody that I want and work as much or as little as I want to. That's really nice. And I can dedicate my time to either teaching or building the brand or reconfiguring the studio or coming up with studio programming, working on the website, whatever I want to work on. If I'm feeling um, creativity in that direction, that's what I focus on. If I'm feeling creativity in um, coming up with some new programming or teacher training, whatever the case may be, you have that freedom. No one's telling you what to do. The buck stops with you. Um, But at the end of the day, the buck stops with you. If somebody calls in sick, if um, you don't have teachers, uh, I haven't had a day off since March 16th of 2020. You know, I've worked every weekend. I don't say no, because this is not the time to be losing any clients. You know, revenue was down 50% last year. um, And I want to be the last studio standing if the other studios end up, not having it in them to ride it out. So that's the hard thing when you're the boss. And I could have, I almost did close. I could have closed in August, decided I don't want to do this anymore. It's too much. It's too hard. But I decided to stay open for the teachers that work in the studio and for the clients. Some of these clients have been with me since the day I opened. That's 18 years. You know, that's some of the longest relationships I have outside of my children. You know, it's, um, it's incredible.
1: What would you say is the best business advice you've ever received?
0: This was from my mother when I first was contemplating which job to take when I uh, graduated from college. So there was another little sidebar, actually. Um, I graduated from college a little bit early and was considering law school, but you should not start law school Uh, like mid-semester. You start at the beginning of the year. So I took my first job in magazine publishing just to kill a few months before starting law school. And I was deciding between a few jobs, like a receptionist somewhere or this job at the first magazine publishing company that I went to. And I didn't know which job to take. And my mother said, take the one that you like more. You have to do what you love. The money will come later. Um, And it was because the money was awful. I mean, this was like so long ago. It was in the 80s. I think they start, the salary was like 14 grand or something like that. And lo and behold, I never went to law school. I loved that job in magazine publishing. I spent five years at that first company and then 10 years at my next one. And it ended up being the first career I loved. And I used all those skills in my next career. And I think that that is like really important advice. You need to love what you do. You spend more time at work than you do anywhere else. If you love what you do, it's going to shine through and you will be successful. So, and then the money will come. It will come because people will come to you and, you know, you'll either get promoted, you'll rise up. It will just
1: all follow. I love that. And what would you say is the best life advice?
0: That's probably from my boyfriend Um, and don't be a (laughs) doormat. So I think when we first got together, I probably didn't stand up for myself enough. Um, I would have a tendency, I'm a very, very big people pleaser. Um, And I can be a little bit conflict averse. You know, I would rather have peace than pieces And, you know, often to my own detriment.
1: Last question. If you could eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, gosh, pizza. Any kind in particular?
0: Plain. New York style, plain pizza. It's like a, a New York slice. It's like a thin crust New York slice. Just the cheese and the marinara sauce. It's like a perfect food. And it's a complete food protein, vegetable, carb. Done.
1: If my listeners want to check you out online, where can they go?
0: Um, www.palatesevolution.com.
1: Awesome. Thank you very much for coming on the show.
0: Thank you. And thank you for the beautiful website that you built for us.
1: You're still here. Well, while I have you, if you found today's episode valuable or useful, I would love if you could head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. It really helps to expand the reach of the podcast. And if not, then just forget the last 10 seconds. Thanks. Talk to you next week.